Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, and so grateful to share this story with you. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. So welcome, Heidi. It's so great to connect with you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing your story here on the podcast. Why don't we begin then with your diagnosis story? Okay, so I initially, as everyone says, it seems to take a while to get diagnosed with MS, but my husband actually uh, got deployed. Um, he's in the army. He, he got deployed in 2012. And when he left, I was out with a friend at, it was actually at a military uh, dinner. And I all of a sudden just kind of got dizzy and felt some numbness and tingling and felt like I was going to pass out. Mm. And of course, being the person that I am and, you know, my husband's gone, I need to be at home for my kids. Um, You know, I just, I went home and went to bed that night and woke up the next morning and still had the numbness and tingling. Mm. So I went to, you know, just like an Instacare and they said, you need to go to the emergency room right now. So I went to the emergency room and they ran several tests. Uh, They did a, a CT scan, MRI, and came back in and said, um, you've got lesions on your brain and it appears that you have multiple sclerosis. Gee whiz. And so it was, it was definitely a shock. And um, my past medical history, I was healthy, never on any medications. Um, I ran marathons. I, I worked full time. I just, I I had, I had no medical issues. And so from there I was referred to a neurologist and, uh, you know, luckily I had my parents and my in-laws here because again, my husband was, was deployed. Right. Um, and so he was, he was still in training in the U S so he was in Texas and we met with the neurologist and, you know, they said, well, we don't think it's MS, but we're going to go ahead and give you the steroid treatment just to see if that helps. And I ended up going into the hospital after that, just because I was in so much pain and spent a week in the hospital Wow! with, with them doing nothing except giving me pain meds. That's so and interesting. So, yeah, it was after, after the second steroid treatment, I got this intense pain in my neck and I couldn't move it. And at that point, you know, my mom was helping me and she's like, we're, I'm taking you to the emergency room. We've got to get this figured out. And again, spending a week there and it felt like the neurologist at the hospital just didn't want to put the time or effort into anything. Oh, yikes. And again, it was just pain pills, pain pills, pain pills. So I pretty much sat in the hospital for a week um, 
drugged up is what it felt like. Yeah. And I couldn't do anything. That must and so, that would be miserable. I don't know yeah. about you, but. Oh, yeah. And my mom finally said, you know, we're we're taking her out of the hospital. You guys aren't doing anything to help her. And so after that, it was really interesting. Um, my mother-in-law suggested that I go to this chiropractor. And I'm thinking, okay, this this isn't just a an adjustment kind of thing. No, but if you and had a said, pinched nerve or something, it might offer some relief. Exactly. And so we went we went to this chiropractor, and surprisingly, he said, he said, I don't think it's that you have anything wrong with your neck. He said, I think you need to see a specialist because I think you may have a hole in your heart. Oh. And so it went it went from A to Z right. within days. And I'm thinking, what what is going on here? And so yeah. And so I got, um, got into, um, a doctor and they, they ordered an echo bubble study for me to see, you know, if there was a hole in my heart. Well, there was. Wow. And so they said, this could be what's causing your problems. Um, and so at that point they scheduled me to have surgery. They were, you know, going to go through my leg and then put in a device that would block the hole in my heart. So luckily, my husband was able to get an emergency leave from Texas to come home while I had the procedure oh done. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So during the procedure, they went in and they could not find a hole in my heart. What? <laughs> but what they did find was um, they they said it was called a pulmonary AVM, which is there's pretty much a spot in my lung, an area that... They said the airflow, that that could be causing lack of oxygen, which could be causing all of these symptoms. And so they sent me home that night and referred me to another place to have the pulmonary AVM looked at. But they said it was so small that it's not them doing a procedure and closing it up wouldn't help. It it wouldn't do anything. Wow. So we went on, saw another doctor. They said it could be complex migraines in addition to the pulmonary AVM. What? Yeah. And so this went on for two or three years, like in and out. Oh, my gosh. No. I mean, again, all across the board, different types of diagnosis. And so... um, in 2015, I was in D.C. for a work conference and I came back and that day I was driving into work and went numb again, mm. um, could hardly hold on to the to the steering wheel. And so I got to work and my uh, boss had one of my employees um, drive me home and got into a doctor. They did an MRI again saw lesions again, finally got into a neurologist in July of 2015 and was given the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. So even though you received the diagnosis years prior, like Mm -hmm. the neurologist didn't really try to treat it with anything. Exactly. Mm. Yes. And just pointed fingers at other potential causes. Potential. Exactly. That didn't Uh, pan out. 
No, it didn't. And oh my so gosh, I'm so the emergency, sorry. Yeah, the initial, I mean, the emergency room doctor in 2012 was correct. But from that point, it just, you know, kind of went all over the place until 2015 when I got my, when I finally got the diagnosis wow. of MS. So was it a different neurologist then? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. And I, I actually had a friend from high school who I had connected with on Facebook and his wife had MS and he recommended, well, they recommended a clinic to me to go to that she, she saw a doctor there and highly recommended them. And so that's where I ended up going and, and received the diagnosis. And so how was the care from that clinic? You know, from there, it was the, you know, the first day I went in, it was, it was pretty scary. <laughs> they, the clinic was, they were really great. You know, they reviewed all the medical records from when everything had started. Sure. Um, and, you know, they spent, I was probably there for over an hour of them just talking to me, going over symptoms, doing um, exams. And, you know, at, at the end, they gave me that diagnosis. And then from there, wanted to come up with a treatment plan. And so um, it was nice to finally, it was nice to finally have a firm diagnosis, but it was also, you know, you think what, what's going to happen from here now that I know what direction is this going to go in? And, and that's a, that's a scary thought. Um, yeah. You know, my family has no history. No one in my family had MS, has had MS. Um, I didn't know a lot about it. Uh, and so it was kind of like, okay, how is this going to change my life? And and how are we going to do this? How are we going to navigate this? Sure. And so did they recommend disease modifying therapies? Yeah, they did. And, you know, at first it was the first few months, I really felt like um, I don't want to say like a, a guinea pig, but, you know, with MS at first, they're trying to not only get you on a disease modifying medication, but they're trying to treat your symptoms as well. Mm -hmm. And so they're, you know there's this constant change. Okay. We want you to try this for two months. If this doesn't work, we're going to put you on this for two months if this doesn't work. And so, um, they initially started me on Copaxone. So I was doing the injections at home three days a week. Um, and on top of that, you know, several different medications to, to treat the, the symptoms. What so, were your other symptoms? Um, the numbness and tingling, um, you know, my, my balance was off. I, I was having a lot of trouble with fatigue and, you know, they, they tried, like they started with gabapentin for nerve pain and then went to Lyrica and, um, and from there, it, that first year was really kind of a nightmare because I was having trouble breathing. So they put me on oxygen and then they recommended that I have a sleep study and the type of sleep apnea it is, it wasn't, you know, due to snoring or anything like that. Um, it was 
pretty much what they said is my brain wasn't telling my body to breathe at night. And central central sleep apnea is what it's called. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. And so I ended up, you know, they put me on a BiPAP machine and still felt a lot of fatigue during the day. So then, you know, they put me on a medication to give me more energy in the morning. Like a stimulant. Yes. Well, that caused my heart rate to go up too high. So then they put me, they put me on heart medication Mm. to control my heart rate. And so it was kind of like, you've got this symptom, so we've got to do this. And then we're going to put on this medication for this and then this medication for that and pain pills for this. And, and so it was just, I went from taking no medication throughout my life to, I think I counted one time and I was taking 30, oh my 30 pills a day. Wow. Yeah. And so it was, it was scary. So how long were you taking all of these meds and how were you feeling and how did you even come to find HSCT as an option? So um, I was, I, I had taken the meds up until the time that I had HSCT, which was in July of 2019. Um, now during that time, I did get switched from uh, Capaxone to uh, Tecfidera. Mm-hmm. And that was mainly because the injections were causing so much scar tissue mm-hmm. in my body that I couldn't I couldn't find any more good locations to, to give the shots. Um, and so um, my dad actually had found an article um, about HSCT in Chicago. Oh, wow. And yeah, and he sent me that article. And and this was like, this was pretty, probably within a year after I got diagnosed that he sent me that article. You know, my husband and I read it and we thought, oh, that's really interesting. And, um, but, you know, looking like you have to qualify for it. And if I don't qualify, what would the cost be? And, sure. and so, you know, it kind of, we kind of, sat it on the back burner and, you know, had it in mind. And, um, and so it it was really interesting in, uh, in January of 2019, I flew back to Maryland to visit my family. Um, my aunt was having surgery and so I went back to take care of her and I got on the plane to come back home and was trying to open a medication bottle and couldn't get it open and and Mm. asked the flight attendant to help me. And also walking through the airport, I just felt so overwhelmingly tired and uncomfortable. And I got home that day and I said to my husband, I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, I feel like all of these medications they have me on is they're going to kill me. Mm. And we, I said, I have to do something. I said, it's, you know, because I mean, we're talking, you know, Valium, hydrocodone, to help the pain and then all of these other medications in addition to that. Oh and, my gosh. And you know, one day I, I put all the, one day I put, sat down and I put all the medications on my computer on just on this app that said like, see what different effects. And there were so many medications that came up that said like this, this does this, does the same thing as this medication. These medications shouldn't be taken together. Mm. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I've got to take control of this now because you can only, yes, you have to rely on doctors, but 
only to a certain extent in my opinion. That's my personal opinion. Sure. You have to do your own research. You have to sometimes take control. And I started not feeling very comfortable or confident with the neurologist I was seeing because sometimes I would see her and sometimes I would see her assistant and they wouldn't remember things that the other one told me at previous appointments and it wasn't written in the chart. Mm. And so I thought, you know, it's it's time for us to take control of this and, and we have to do something. So I had remembered the article that my dad sent. Oh, and wow. And so my husband and I started, you know, we got online and started reading and, you know, I, um, I looked on Facebook to kind of see if there were any groups and, you know, I found the, the, uh, an HSCT group on Facebook and, uh, and then we found Clinica Ruiz. And so we got online and started reading about it. And, you know, I went through and kind of read people's stories on Facebook just to see what their experiences were. And, Immediately, we looked at each other and said, this is this is what we're going to do. And from that, like I said, that was in January of 2019. And we started making plans immediately. I think I I had a call with them that month to get more information. And then I scheduled my treatment in February um, for for July. Yes. And yes. so did you talk to your neurologist about HSCT or clinical no. disease? No, no, I did not. And the reason I didn't is because I didn't feel confident enough in them to give me, to give me educated advice on it. Mm. And Again, especially kind of towards the end of my time with them where I saw that I didn't feel like they were invested in my treatment. They weren't communicating with each other. Um, and I I didn't. And the interesting thing is I actually talked to my primary care doctor about it. Mm, what did they say? He actually, we, you know, I went in and met with him and I took a packet into him with all the information and he told me that he would take it and read it. And he actually has a family member with MS and he said he would get back with me on it. And he, after he read it, he talked to me and he said that he had never heard of the treatment before, but, you know, the information I provided him that he felt very confident about it and and felt good about me making that decision and told me that he would provide all of my care for me when I got back. Mm. Ah, um, you know, awesome. in, including the, you know, my blood work, my follow-up, he would order my follow-up MRIs, um, everything. And that so, awesome. yeah, so I felt really good when I left because I knew that he, he did his research and he knew what my needs would be once I returned home. That's amazing. Yeah. And so did you ever see that neurologist again? No, I did not. Fascinating. <laughs> and how do you feel yes. about that now? Um, I you know, I feel I feel good about my decision because I think you know, I think I questioned myself a few times, but as always you need to go with your gut. Yeah. And I, and I truly, truly believe that. And I, 
I feel like if I would have kept going there, that it would have continued with this pattern of medication and medication and medication. And I, you know, I, again, everybody can have their own opinion, but I just feel like that neurologist in particular pushed medication so much and it was more about that than anything else. Sure. And that, that was really frustrating to me and really sad um, because, you know, there are so many other options now, you know, again, for MS, everybody has to make their own decision and figure out what option is the best for them. But the troubling part to me is that not everybody knows what's out there for them. And it's, and it's such a scary diagnosis to get that you're immediately thinking, I'm going to do everything that this doctor says. Sure. Well, and we're kind of in culture that way. Exactly. In the United States. Right. Right. Like doctor's orders. Yes, definitely. And so kudos to you for finding your way through that. Right. Yes. And taking back your power and your control over your body. So you chose Mexico. And so, like you said, you got uh, scheduled very quickly after you chose to go. So how did it go for you? So, yes. So uh, July 2019, and we we chose Monterey. Um, Our our main reason for that decision was because my husband loves to cook. Mm -hmm. And and with Monterey, you know, you, you have your, you know, your own kitchen there. And, and, and he wanted to be able to provide meals for me that he knew would be comforting. And that's so kind. And he was able to get the leave again. Yeah. Well, and he had retired from the military by this time. So yes. So he was able to, to be with me the entire time. Yes. And so, um, you know, again, I was so scared when I got on the airplane and leading up to it. And, and one thing I, I do want to say um, that was was a little bit hard for me is there were several family members that didn't understand why we made this choice. Mm, why Mexico? They, why Mexico? Mexico is dirty. Mm. Me, the the health care there can't be good. It's why would you go to Mexico? And that that was really difficult because again, we had done our research and I worked in public health up Mm -hmm. until the time I had MS. And even in the state of Utah, um, the, the health program here for states, for state employees, they have options. If you're having certain surgeries that they'll actually pay for you to go to other countries to have it done because of the, because of cost and quality of care. And so I explained that to family members, but they still, a lot of them didn't get it. And I had a couple of family members that stopped talking to me because of it. But again, I knew it was the right decision. So, so we went ahead and, you know, the flight there was, again, my nerves just rattling and, and we arrived in Monterey and the staff picked us up and, and immediately I felt so comfortable. I felt like, you know, there's the, the entire staff was just so kind and, and so knowledgeable 
um, you know, we got to our apartment and just beautiful. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's Monterey is a big city. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, a lot of people, I think, were thinking, oh, you're going to Mexico. You're going to be by the beach and this and that and the other. It's like, no, it's not like that at all. You don't understand. I'm not going to be out and about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the accommodations were wonderful. It was it was spacious. You know, it had two bedrooms and two bathrooms. And like I said, a full kitchen. And, you know, with Monterey, where they don't provide the food, they actually give you um, a grocery card with money on it. So they take you to the grocery store. And that, so that amount is included in the fee you pay for your treatment. Which is amazing. It, right. Absolutely amazing. And the grocery store was really close. Um, and, you know, so, you know, within the first day they took us there um, and, and, and that was great. So, you know, the day after, well, sorry, let me just rewind back a little bit that night, you know, they got us situated in our room and kind of gave us a binder. They gave us a binder to kind of read through, what the process was. And, um, and so the first full day there was really about meeting everyone, um, doing the physical exams, doing blood work, pretty much to make sure that you are okay to have this treatment done. Sure. Did they say anything about the 30 pills you were taking at the time? Um, they were, they were shocked. (laughs) And so, um, you know, they, they went through the, inst- I, I actually, I sat down with the doctor and, and he went through the entire list and told me what he wanted me to continue to take while I was there and what he wanted me to stop taking. Sure. And so that was extremely helpful. And did um, you have side effects then from like weaning off anything? Um, I, I did not actually. Now I say that, but it could be because going immediately into chemo, I didn't right. notice the side effects. Sure. Right. Right. So, um, well, that's good. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. He was, he was so detailed and attentive and, um, and so that made me feel great as well. And so, you know, we went through that first day and then at the end of the day, they kind of said, okay, you've passed off on everything and we start chemo tomorrow. So did they have concern for your pulmonary issue or your heart Mm. or any of those factors? No, no, they did not. They did not because, yeah, because they knew that I, you know, the doctor had really pretty much cleared me for the pulmonary issue because again, it was, it was too small to even do anything with. And then, um, with my heart issues, they knew that that was a cause of taking the medication to give me more energy. So mm. going off of, you know, going off that, the medication to give me more energy, my heart rate immediately went back to normal. And so I was able to stop the heart medication. And so they felt confident that, you know, none of those would would cause any issues and, and they didn't. That's so, amazing. Yeah. And so the the environment there was just great. You know, it, it felt so good to know, um, you know, we had a nurse that in the apartment building that was on the same floor as us. And so, you know, she would come every morning to do vitals and every night and she would come to the room to give us, um, you know, our daily uh, Phil Grastam shot. And um, it was just nice to have her right there. And I guess usually they the groups of 
like the people that are coming to get treatment, they said that the number of people vary, but it was actually just me and one other person during the time that I was there for treatment. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So there were just two of us. So we definitely bonded uh, as did our husbands. And it it was, it was comforting to have, you know, someone else there going through the same thing. Of course. And cheering, we were cheering each other on. So, (laughs) so what about a memorable experience during your time? Oh, let's see. Memorable, positive, or (laughs) however you define it. Memorable, I would say that each day, as hard as it was, I was lucky because, and this may sound crazy, they had fireworks on this hill right outside of our apartment building. Oh, cool. There was this, there was this huge, beautiful Mexican flag on this hill that could see from the patio. And they would do fireworks at night. And it, it was calming. <laughs> it, it calmed me down every day. And I thought, you know, this, this, this treatment's hard, but this is a celebration of my rebirth. Mm. And that's kind of how I looked at those fireworks as a celebration. You know, I, I would say one of the most memorable moments was that I woke up in the middle of the night and a clump of my hair um, had come out and I, I tried to wake my husband up, but I didn't try too hard. He didn't wake up. And so I thought, you know, I, I sat on the floor with these clumps of hair and and Mm. cried for about an hour and And I went back to bed and when my husband woke up, I told him, I said, you know, it's coming out. And he said, well, after, after today's chemo, are are you ready to shave it off? And I said, yes. And so we came back from chemo and I sat down and he shaved it off and I, and, and I cried and, and then I didn't know this. I, well, I knew he was, he, his hair was a little long, but I, didn't put two and two together. And as soon as he was done shaving my hair, he said, I grew mine out so you could shave mine too. And Aww. so he immediately sat down after, sorry. Um, he immediately sat down afterwards and let me shave his That's off. Beautiful. And so I would definitely say that was one of the most memorable moments because, yeah, you know, I always, I always knew how much he loved me and how much support I had for him. He had for me, but to to know that he did that, um, it made the process of losing my hair so much easier. Yeah. How beautiful. And, yeah. And, you know, he said to me, he said, you know, look, your MS hair is gone. It's gone. Now we get, you get to start with, with non-MS hair. Oh, <laughs> so, that's such a great way of looking at it. Right. So that was really, um, that was really a, a neat moment for me. And for sure. And confirmation of how supportive and loving and and how much how much it meant to him that I not that that I wasn't feeling alone Mm. brilliant yeah and so um you know the meals he made they were great he bought plenty of things and adjusted it based on how I felt that day Mm. which was great and I think I think the other most memorable time was those days waiting to hear when I was, you know, getting those counts and the day when I was actually going to, they were going to, you know, do the actual, uh, you know, the stem cells. Transplant, and, sure. 
the transplant. Yeah. And it was those, those days were, were hard because, you know, my, my bone pain was extreme. <laughs> sure. I, I was in a lot of pain and, you know, each day you you're anxious and you're hoping they're going to say today's the day and it's not today's the day. And it's not. And, and uh, the other lady that was there with me, you know, she got the okay to get hers, but my number still wasn't ready, but the following day mine was. And so, you know, you're, you're and don't get me wrong. I was so happy for her, mm. but you know, you're just kind of in this frame of mind, like I hurt and I just want, you know, I want this next step to take place. And, and my husband could see how, how, much pain I was in and how anxious I was. And he made me this. And I say it was the best banana split I ever had in my life. (laughs) It's like he just knew. And I sat there and cried as I ate this banana split. And it may sound silly to some people, but it's these little things that, and especially when your significant other recognizes where you're at and they know without asking you what you need at the time. And then it's there. And then, and then I just, I felt better after I ate it. <laughs> the next day of course. is when my transplant took place. So brilliant. Yeah. You're very lucky to have him in your life. Yes. Yes. I, and I am grateful every day that I have him. He, he definitely has been an amazing caregiver and I, worry about him sometimes because I know how much he's taken on. But as he has always said to me, that if I, if I didn't want to do it, I wouldn't be doing it. And, and so that, that definitely means a lot. Sure. So inspiring to have the fortune, right. That you have Mm -hmm. of that kind of energy in your life. Right. Right. Definitely. It kind of clears the way for you to do the hard work. Yes, it does. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, having that positivity too, because, you know, I was definitely, I was missing, I was missing the kids and, and my kids are older. And so it, but it was still, you know, my daughter was, you know, it was the summer before her junior year in high school. And, Mm. and, um, you know, my other two kids are already graduated, but, you know, you when I think it hit me about midway through the treatment, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm really missing them. I'm missing my dogs. I'm, I'm missing my bed. Of course. And, and so, you know, luckily I was, you know, I was able to, to FaceTime with them and other family members. And, and after those calls, my spirits were definitely lifted. And, you know, I remembered, you know, it it reminds you of why you were doing this, not only for yourself, but but for your family, for your children, you know, to, to be able to interact with them in ways you used to be able to, and, and to be able to live a better life. And, and so that definitely helped push me through those difficult days while we were there. Of course. So why was it important for you to participate in the podcast? So I feel like number one, living in Utah and, you know, being a part of the MS community here, I feel like there are a lot of people that don't still don't know about treatment options. And I think that's part of the reason I wanted to do the podcast. The other reason is I just, 
as everyone knows with MS, each story is so different mm-hmm. and everyone's reasons for their, you know, what they decide to do are different. And people are affected in different ways. And I think that's what makes this disease and this treatment so, uh, what's the word, just just so interesting and and difficult and also inspiring mm. because we all have different levels of symptoms, levels of pain. We all have um, interaction with people in our lives that has changed because of the disease, whether it be for better or for worse. And so I think it's so important that people know about this and that they know about it from a community and group of people that are are your neighbor, are your best friend, your, you know, a, a parent at your school. And, and I say that I think a lot of people and again, everybody has to make their own choice. But I think too often people look at stories of celebrities and and they get in their mind that that's the way it is. And I think people need to have a perspective of all different angles of life. Indeed, the everyday person. And not, and not just, you know, not just one or two. I think they need to hear from everyone. And, you know, I... Two of the two of the best experiences I've had since I've been home for my treatment is I had two women contact me and just through word of mouth from friends that I had. And then they knew this person that that had MS Mm. and they both asked if they could come to my house and sit down with me and talk to me about my experience. Beautiful. And, you know, they both came over. One of them ended up going to Monterey and having treatment. The other one did not, but still it's, it's nice to, to be able to, you know, to have that face to face and really hear people's experiences because you can get online and you can read, but I think conversation is, has so much more power than reading something that someone's typed up. Agreed. Thank you so much for lending voice to your story here. Absolutely. So how is it going? For you now, two years post-transplant. Yes, two years post-transplant. So I have had two MRIs, no new or active lesions. Wonderful. Which is great. I am seeing improvements um, with, uh, you know, I had a lot of issues with hand grip, which has gotten better. My balance, I've seen improvements. Um, you know, I still, I still have a lot of issues with fatigue, but I'm also still very hopeful that that will improve with time. And I think that's one important thing that people need to remember is you're, you, you're not going to, you, you're not going to see immediate results necessarily. Right. And so don't get frustrated. You know, again, I'm two years out and, and I know that, I'm still working towards, mm. you know, towards the end goal. Sure. And so I, I think that's a really important thing that people need to remember. Um, you know, for me, I think the most difficult thing in the past two years is I had my treatment in July of 2019. And so, you know, you have to 
be quarantined for that first six months. And so I was quarantined for those six months and then COVID. was able, was, yes, was able to go out and two weeks later, COVID hit. Right. And so I would say that was the hardest part for me because after that six months, we had plans, we had, you know, concert tickets and vacations planned. And we're like, this is going to be great. And, and then everything got canceled. And then my doctor said to weigh on the side of caution that he wanted me to pretty much stay home and, and really limit interaction with people. And again, it was all just the timing with COVID. So I definitely have had times in the past two years, you know, I've gone through depression, but I, again, this is something that, you know, COVID is something no one, no one expected. Right. It's something out of my control. It just happened to hit at the time that I had just had my treatment. And so again, luckily I have a very loving family and amazing kids that just lift me up every day and remind me, you know, that it's, you know, life's going to go on and, and we'll just push through it. And that's what I do every day. I, I get up and remind myself of that and remind myself of the gift I was given of a new immune system. And, and I'm grateful for that every day. For sure. So are you, have you returned to any of those medications you were on? I am only taking supplements at this point. Like vitamins? Vitamins, yes. To support your healthy immune system? Yes. Imagine Isn't that, that. amazing? It truly <laughs> yes. really is. I do take yes. a handful of vitamins also, but right. just vitamins. Yes. And that, that is all I am taking right now. I am not taking any other medications. And it is, I, when I got home from treatment, one of the greatest things was being able to change my pill box from a huge one to a small one. Mm. <laughs> Again, little victories, but <laughs> it was great. Well, yeah, and I'm sure you don't have the side effects that you exactly. have. Like, exactly. Like, how is your sleep going? You know, it's, it's, it's going okay. I mean, I still sleep with the BiPAP, but... I am actually going in at the end of this month because the doctor wants me to do another sleep study because they're thinking because of the treatment that it my results will be better and I may not even need the BiPAP anymore. Maybe and it was a lesion, right? That Right. Right. Exactly. The and lesion so caused whatever and right. that lesion is no longer active. Yes. And so I'm excited for that appointment at the end of the month. That'll and be so fascinating to see. Yes, definitely. And so I'm looking forward to that. But but yeah, I, you know, it's it's just been a really um it's been a, a great experience. The 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 people that I've met throughout this and you know, again where I, I knew nothing about MS, just hearing inspirational stories and, and now being able to share mine, it's, I think it's one of the greatest gifts that we can give to each other. Indeed. I'm grateful for you. Well, thank you. I'm grateful for you as well, Jen. Thanks. I do. I do appreciate hearing that. I hate to brush off compliments, right? And it's a powerful thing to give the gift of a compliment. And so I do appreciate right. hearing that. And well, and it's important and, to accept, right? 
it it really is and you know when when i when i saw you know your your group online i i was so i was inspired and i thought what a great thing you know to to have this group where you know they are sharing people's stories and they're providing people who have had this experience to talk to people who are thinking about it to share their story and so i thought i really want to be a part of this uh, not only in, you know, doing the podcast, but volunteering as well, because I, yes. you know, again, I think it's such an important thing to, so many people I think feel lost and don't know where to turn. It can be so and, isolating. Right. This exactly. Disease, right. And yes, and so hard to even recognize that isolation, yes. especially when you're in the cloud of side effects from medications. Right. If, if that makes sense. And so... Being on this side of transplant and freedom from side effects of medications and feeling so much better. And right. It is yeah. nice to connect with others who have been through a similar experience as transplant. It definitely is. So I, again, I, I do appreciate you and, and the organization. I think what, what you're doing is amazing and I, again, you know, for so many people who are scared and, and don't know where to turn, um, you know, like I was talking before, you can get online and, and read about as much as you want. But the personal connection of of voice and hearing someone's true story, I think, makes such a big difference. And especially in a day and age where technology, you know, it's about text, it's about email. I think when it comes to a lot of things in life, but especially illness and, and when you're feeling alone and fear, hearing someone's voice is one of the most comforting things ever. And especially when it's someone who's had the same life experience, is going through the same life experiences as you. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing your voice. Well, you are welcome. Illuminating invisibilities and connecting in our shared experiences. That's what we're all about. Thank you. Yes. So Thank you, Jen. before I let you go, and of course, I can't wait to see you again in our social hours or seeing you connect with others in our Talk to a Warrior program. As someone on the other end of the call, thank you for committing to that and volunteering. Um, I do want to know about a superpower that you gained in your experience with HSCT. A superpower. I, I would say my superpower is, is strength because I learned during that treatment that I am so much stronger than I ever knew. Hmm. And that with the strength of my mind and my soul that I can get through anything. That's beautiful. So warrior strong. Warrior strong. Yes. So is there anything holding you back from sharing that superpower? No, there's not. Nothing at all. Brilliant. Because I look back and, and again, from, from diagnosis to making the decision and going through the treatments, I look at things head on now and think I was able to do that. And, and again, it being in another country where you don't, you know, you're not surrounded by your family and friends. Right. Yes. My husband was there, but 
you have limited support and I got through that. And so I can get through anything. Yeah, you can. That's an amazing and I think feeling, right? It really is. It really is. And, you know, I, as soon as I got home from treatment, I bought myself a shirt that said, I'm not a quitter. I'm a warrior. Mm, and I love that. Yes. And I, and I really, when I put that shirt on, not just when I put the shirt on, but every day, that's truly how I feel. I love that. Powerful. So is there anything you're grateful for that has gone unspoken? I, I think I've said everything I'm grateful for. I, anyone that, that feels like they don't have family support, remember you have other supports. Indeed. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. And I think that's what a lot of people need to remember there. There's so much support and love around. And, and even at times when you feel like, you know, this world is just a crazy place and, and you don't know where to go. Remember that there are so many other people feeling the same way mm. and we need to lean on each other and love each other and push through. As I think a lot of us have seen, not just with MS, with HSCT, but with a lot of things in the world, we end up pushing through and we end up being stronger in the end. Indeed. So inspiring and so many important reminders. Thank you for You're sharing welcome. your story Absolutely. and your journey to HSCT and to know that you're doing so well and so strong. Two years plus post transplant is, is brilliant. And I really appreciate you sharing so well, much thank you. of this journey with us and yes. committing to sharing in the future. Yes, absolutely. And and thank you, Jen. I appreciate you taking the time to to hear my story and and to share it. So Well, I know you. others are going to feel so connected to you and to what you've been through, particularly mm -hmm. as they make the choice to potentially go to Monterey. Right. And 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 that that is, you know, the the end goal for me is is even if it helps one person, that's one person that is going to be able to get their life back. Oh my gosh. And everyone deserves that chance. Yes, they do. Absolutely. Thanks for being that chance for someone. Oh, thank you, Jen. Oh, yeah. It's great to connect with you, Heidi. You too. So I hope you enjoy a brilliant rest of your day. Well, thank you, you as well. And a restful weekend and continued health and wellness and recovery and all things good to you and your family and your husband. How amazing. That, yes, um, thank you. you have such yeah. a brilliant connection. Well, I appreciate that. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Alitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack 
edit and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care.